This is the Publicity for Pet Businesses podcast with Rachel Spencer. Listen in each week for tips on ways to win media coverage and create content to make sure your pet business stands out from the competition. So on today's podcast, I'm speaking to Helen Mottram, who is the founder of Social Paws, and she is going to be sharing how to make your pet business stand out on social media. And I'll probably talk about this later in the episode, but I'm really chuffed to be speaking to Helen because I discovered her from social media um, a couple of years ago. and We've done quite a lot of work together. She is um, a fantastic communicator when it comes to social media and I know that she's going to share some really good insights and tips on this episode so Helen over to you can you tell me a little bit about yourself and thank you for coming on the podcast thank you for inviting me Rachel and good afternoon so um yeah so I met Rachel um via my page uh social pause and um, really nice introduction a few years ago so I primarily work with anxious nervous dogs people typically call them reactive but I try and get away from that word because uh, nervous, shy, sensitive is more what the owner understands. So I do uh, rehab walks where I walk the dog and train them myself. And I also do coaching for the owners. So I come out and do a behavioral consult and give them some emotive support, how to support their dog and work for it. And then we do some follow-up controlled setups where we get some nice stooge dogs which we bring out and um, get the anxious dog and just build up their confidence. Fantastic okay so Helen can you tell us a little bit about your background um, and how you first came to become a dog trainer and whereabouts you're based as well um, because I've um, got listeners kind of in fact we've got a few global listeners actually but it'd be really good to know where you're based um, and how you got into being a dog trainer. So I'm based in Cheltenham, which is a town in Gloucestershire, a little village called Charlton Kings. I do primarily work in Cheltenham, but I also do Gloucester, Sirencester, Tewkesbury. Um, so how I got into it, I've always had a background in rescue work. I used to work at a place called the Cheltenham Animal Shelter when I was younger, and I was head of the quarantine and rehabilitation unit there. Then I did a lot of work overseas, working with Spanish uh, rescues. I went to Cyprus and then I did a lot of one-to-one shadowing and training with other local trainers who I learnt my skills from today. So big background in um, rescue work. I also have a background in agricultural farming. So the college that I did my uh, degree at was a farming college. So I learned a lot about farm animals, enrichment and also zoo animals, which was incredibly exciting. Wow. Okay. So you've got lots of lots of things going on. And you also do rescue work for birds as well, don't you? Yeah. So we run our own uh, bird rescue, Wrestles Rescue. And I do a lot of training and rehabilitation work with the birds. And again, my specific area is anxious, shy, sensitive birds. So there is that kind of crossover. And they say, if you can uh, train a bird, you can train any animal <laughs> to an extent. So, <laughs> They're hard work, very hard work. Oh my gosh, I can imagine. Um, and Helen's also been on this morning as well with Russell the Crow, or Russell Crow, is it Russell the Crow or Russell the Crow? Russell um, Crow, who's a rook, yes. Yeah. So yeah, lots of lots of lots of different animals going on there, um, and lots of experience. So can you tell me then how you um, became how you came to kind of niche into working with anxious dogs? 
So I started my journey as um, a one-to-one dog walker and Mm -hmm. I found that typically the dogs that were coming on my walks were anxious or nervous Um, and I seem to gravitate towards the more sensitive shy dogs because I think deep down I'm a little bit shy although I do come across as quite confident. I'm an extrovert but deep down I am a little bit sensitive and a little bit shy so when I was working at the kennels, I would always, you know, gravitate towards that really shy dog who just didn't want to come out of his kennel. And for some reason, um, the dog kind of understood me and I understood them. And with a little bit of time and patience, I'd always be the one who would, um, you know, grow their confidence and get them to come out of the kennel. Um, and a bit like with my uh, one-to-one dog walks, like these are the dogs that didn't really want to go outside the house. They didn't want to walk, very nervous with other dogs and people. But, you know, with a little bit of kindness, uh, long-term support and patience, perseverance and kind of understand what they're going through. That kind of um, helped me to understand their needs. So it started with the one-to-one rehab walks. And then I thought, oh, well, actually, I could coach and support the owners as well. Because it's not Mm -hmm. just about the dog. It's actually transferring those skills. So um, went off to uni, did some experience there, um, did some coaching and teaching. I used to be an assistant teacher. So then I was able to transfer those skills from the training support environment to helping people and their dogs. So mm-hmm. nice, nice transfer and crossover. Fantastic. Okay. Um, and it's so interesting that you've got a background in teaching as well. And you've, you've t- talked quite a lot about the empathy and understanding that you have to have with the owner as well as the dog. Um, and I think sometimes that's something that we don't hear enough about really, because it is the owner that you're working with as much as a dog if not more isn't it because it's you know teaching them how to communicate better and and that empathy I think is so important that's what really kind of jumped out at me when when I first kind of discovered you yeah so 100% so what I was finding was a general pattern on social media people telling dog owners that they're lazy and it's it's their fault but a lot of time these dog owners do rescue these dogs from rescue centers. They've already got issues before they come home. Um, fortunately, they aren't given enough support in the initial stages. And then this obviously causes issues longer down the line. But yeah. they end up blaming themselves. And the reason they don't call on behaviorists or trainers because they think they're going to be judged. Yeah. So I'm all about, you know, not judging you. I'm not there to test you on your training skills. I'm here to, you know, have a deeper understanding of the dog's emotions. Mm -hmm. Obviously, there are some times where I do meet people who aren't as accountable as others. But then I just, you know, give them a little bit of a push, um, inspire a little bit of confidence in them. But most of the time, they're they're struggling with their dogs is because they have confidence issues too. Mm -hmm. No, it's a really it's a really um, lonely place to be as well, isn't it? When you've got when you've got a dog who you obviously you really love, but who has problems or issues, whether it's reactivity or nervousness or anxiety or whatever that problem is, um, because you you know people want to do the best for the dog, but like you say, that feeling of being judged or or worrying actually that you know maybe they might be advised to have the dog taken off them. It's a really scary and lonely place to be, isn't it? So. I think that's why it's so so important that you can kind of meet people in your communications you know where they're at and make them feel understood and have that empathy it's so so important um so we're here today to talk about social media and and I think I've already we've only been talking for about five minutes but I've already said how brilliant you are at communicating and and kind of hitting people like right between the eyes with your messaging but when you first started out on social media um, and you started doing you know social pause and your training and everything that you were doing what was it like at the beginning when you were kind of finding your feet how how was that for you? 
So when I started up, it was a very long time ago. I think probably nearly 10 years ago now, maybe mm-hmm. not as long. Um, so it was the start of Facebook. So people yeah. were just getting to grips to Facebook. And to be honest, when I put my Facebook page up, I did get a lot of interaction engagement. And that's what happens when you've got a new page, everybody sort of go gravitates towards it. Um, I did struggle at first because I wasn't very personal. I was just putting generic dog pictures up. Um, and I was a bit doing something of everything. So I put mm-hmm. photos up of pet sitting, uh, general dog walking. But then I started up putting up more posts of the case studies working with the anxious dogs. And then I found people started to comment. Yeah. Um, and then I started getting to grips with Canva and putting like words on my pictures. And these words spoke, spoke loudly to yeah. my audience and kind of like stopped them in their, in their tracks. Because you get yeah. a lot of photos on Facebook. But if you see a photo with um, words on it, that is very, very powerful. And that, mm. that kind of is relatable to the audience. So as soon as I found Canva and found my message, I found it a lot more easier. But at first, it was incredibly hard trying to relate to everyone, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and what were there any particular words that kind of really resonated or that you found um, that, that did make people stop scrolling and comment or like or, or react to in some kind of way? What would you did you have like any particular keywords or messages that you would you would try and get across or? So um, your dog is not a monster. Yeah, was one of the one of the titles I used a lot. Um, you know, don't worry, my dog's friendly because, you know, uh, owners who have dogs on lead anxious dogs the worst thing is when a dog comes running out of nowhere up to your dog on lead and I'm still doing a lot of educational yeah. awareness posts about that um it's kind of like saying you know you are the hero of your dog's story so mm-hmm. I, I talk about a lot about being a hero you know your old dog's wingman it's cheerleader um yeah. we can all work together so these kind of like um I would say the ones the the posts that were a little bit more, I wouldn't, I don't like the word controversial. I would say mm. hard hitting, yeah. real powerful message. They do get the most shares, but same time, you've got to balance that out with a little bit more positive posts. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to be one of those negative Nora's like keep sharing the negative posts yeah. and feel like I'm having a go at people. Mm-hmm. So you do have to kind of get that balance right. Otherwise, your audience kind of go, oh, she's she's sharing yet another negative post. So hmm. keep positive and do a few posts where you're really getting that strong message out, something that's relatable. Definitely. What I really liked when you were talking then was how you've kind of switched it from the dog owner feeling shameful um, and feeling... Um, you know, feeling, yeah, feeling maybe embarrassed about the dog or feeling like a failure and having that emotion of shame to being the hero of the dog story and being the dog's wingman and and that person who's, you know, side by side with the dog, supporting them and giving them, you know, giving them the best life. Because that is what, you know, obviously I know there's, there are some terrible people out there, but, you know, the people who you are trying to reach, they just want to do right by their dog, don't they? So actually, actually yeah. shifting. They want to do the right thing. Yeah. yeah. So shifting that message and making them the kind of hero of of the of the story rather than the person who should be feeling ashamed or like they failed the dog is so powerful. Um, and yeah, and I, I guess what that's what makes your feed so shareable um, and so kind of as you said, use this word a few times, relatable because you've got that nervous dog owner, you know the emotions that they're feeling, you know the pain that they're feeling, and you're saying actually, yeah, it's okay to feel like that, and this is. 
this I relate to these scenarios that you have with the dogs running over or you know my dog's not my dog you know it's okay my dog's friendly or, or you know your dog's a monster you relate to that but actually you know you you can turn this around and, and this is what you can do um, so yeah. it's really, really powerful and I can totally see why, why you post take off. Um, and also the fact that, you know, that nice balance of, yes, there are, there's going to be some hard hitting stuff on there, but there's also going to be really practical um, advice yeah. as well. So tell me, um, because the, um, so this podcast is for pet business owners, but also, you know, many of them, um, they're not dog trainers or behaviorists, they're, they're regular dog owners and they might have, um, they might have a dog themselves who might be anxious. Um, so can you tell me like just some tips really for, for, for owners of anxious dogs on how to just kind of make life a little bit more easy for them and their, and their, and their pet? Okay, so um, a lot of people focus on the walk, but what I do is a lot of the stuff before the walk now. So I use a lot of enrichment. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I was kind of inspired by a lot of Suzanne Clothier's work. I don't know if you've heard of her, really great lady to um, follow. And she describes the walk is like um, you've got the warm up, you've got the main event, and then you've got the cool down. Yeah. And she always said, look, just slow down. There's no rush. So you know, with the anxious dogs, they don't want to just go straight on the walk. They want some time to have a sniff around by the front door. Um, do a little like um, uh, some enrichment by the front door of little cones where they can have a sniff before they go straight out the house. So I like to just slow things right down, get back to basics, um, help inspire confidence in that dog rather than just, you know, setting up to fail by going straight outside. Um, and once we do go outside, we've got to find areas that the dog's going to succeed in. So if you know your dog's going to react on the road environment every time it walks around a corner, then it's more about um, finding a nice, quiet field where we can work from a safe distance with a stooge dog and then go back to the more challenging situations. Because if we just walk around the corner and a dog's there in its face, there's no way that dog's going to be improving. But if we give it some time, give it some space, lots of positive associations with some good food, praise, whatever the dog finds motivating, that's the way we can push forward. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you've got loads and loads of advice to give um, from doing, you know, working with anxious dogs for a long, long time. Um, and I know um, there's lots of, no, because I'm in your um, pet professional network membership, there's lots of people who work with lots of different types of animals. So um, when it comes to when it comes to kind of creating social media that's going to really resonate with with your followers and with people in general, um, it, I think a lot of the time we can, we can look for a bit of a quick fix, can't we? So we might say, you yeah. know, post templates for sale, um, but it's not a one size fits all thing, is it? So, no. What would your advice be for people who are kind of starting out and maybe they're listening because they've you know they've seen the stuff that you do, they want to they want to improve the social media what would you what would your kind of first piece of advice be for people who want to find ways to build those connections with with their followers on social media I think you've got to have a good balance of posts so it's no point just you know um posting all these motivational quotes or you know um a bit like what I've gone through like educational awareness posts you've also got to have the balance of showing you doing the training um few mm -hmm. case studies of what you've done, your success stories. Yeah. Uh, and also trying to find the format that works for you. So I do teach people how to do their um, 
content writing Mm -hmm. but at the end of the day that's my way to do it so sometimes I say look you can use this as a basic template but you've got to add to that Mm -hmm. and um what I say is it's it's so much better having photos of you and dogs um or photos of your clients rather than just generic posts yeah I do do a lot of the educational posts where I do use Canva but at the same time there is that balance and people want to see your face um rather than having a generic logo as your your avatar on your Facebook page why not have a nice picture of you training a dog yeah and why not post videos of your own dog's training and I actually say look I failed here with my dog but um I've tried and it works now so Mm -hmm. not only showing your success stories but actually saying look I have failed it's okay to fail I'm a dog trainer but I also fail too Uh, a lot of people don't do that because they think oh my clients are going to judge me but they don't want um a perfectly polished dog trainer they want someone who's gone through the same mistakes as them gone through these emotions I can really relate to their journey mm-hmm. okay it's funny you say that because I've um I've just been doing an e- an email um and it's for people who people who've only kind of you know just connected with me and one of them in there is my PR disaster and how I went for this absolutely dreadful job interview and I did not have a clue what I was talking about and I think and I was annoyed about sharing that story but I thought no actually you need to be real don't you so um so, yeah totally I think the days of where we all had to be kind of polished and professional and stuff are, are long gone aren't they and people want yeah. to um people just want to know that that we're human really don't they and yeah absolutely yeah. on the photos as well um, I had a photographer on the podcast a couple of weeks ago and she was talking about um you know the best images to have if you're a dog walker or dog groomer and those images that that, that show a connection again like words show con- words can build connections but images show connections as well don't they um yeah so yeah lovely photos always really really help and they don't have to be professional either I don't think I think you know just seeing seeing a dog walker you know throwing a ball or or you know just having fun on a walk um is is really really powerful um so okay so they were they were some really really helpful tips thank you helen um and just going talking about that kind of emotional connection when i first kind of discovered you um i felt that I'd, I'd actually when i first found you on social media i'd actually just lost my dog daisy and she'd been very confident but then she when she was um you know shortly before she passed away she had dementia so she became very anxious um and when i saw your words it really like moved me to tears because it really resonated with me as as her owner um and i wanted to ask you how do you kind of when you talk, you, you know, you're talking about anxious dogs, but there might be somebody listening who's talking about older dogs or puppies or um, reactive dogs or, or whatever kind of animals. Um, you know, they, they, there will be certain words that resonate with that, that particular owner. So how do you kind of go about finding the words that, that will resonate and that people will really relate to? I think personally, I look at the stories I've been through. So yeah. how do I feel when my dog Joseph passed away how do I feel when his health started to decline and um, I'm open and honest and I I use those those words to convey how I'm feeling yeah Um, I suppose sometimes I find it hard to write certain creative content because I can't walk in the shoes yeah so I think with me I try to stick with my niche but because I've experienced a lot in my life um, I'm able to relate to that but um, 
words are extremely powerful, but at the end of the day, you just got to keep it simple to your audience. Like I find a lot of people will use scientific jargon words. Yeah. And I find this very, very off-putting. So keep the words simple, but you know, they've got to have emotions. And what I tend to do is when I write my content on Facebook or any social media, um, I split it up. So it's not like um content creation isn't like writing a book. It's not like a story. You need certain words or certain sentences to pop out at you. Yeah. So the actual most important thing is the title and the subheading. Now, if you mm-hmm. get that right, then you're going to draw people in and read it. But if yeah. there's no title and there's no subheading, then people will literally just usually scroll on by because we're very lazy. But if something catches our eyes, like, um, like let's say uh, your dog is not a monster. Yeah. And they're like, wow. Or, or you could actually say your dog is a monster. You could do the flip side, but then yeah. you talk about how your dog isn't. So you can have the same message, but slightly altered depending on what, what, where you're going with this. But um, it's got to pop out at you. Mm-hmm. So maybe certain words you would split up, or you can even have one word on a line. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, it's not like writing a storybook or you know an article. It's more about yeah. social media. That's got to pop out at you. No, definitely. And all, the thing that the thing that jumped out at me when you were talking then was you know about the walking in their shoes. So you've got to put your when you're writing, you've got to put your put yourself in the in the shoes of the owner and what they're going through, rather than yeah. be saying I'm Helen and I help anxious dogs and your dog will be transformed. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the um, and this and what you were saying about the title and the subheading, it is like kind of it's similar to what you know what you'd see in a newspaper. What is going to make you look at that page? What yeah. words are going to jump out? Um, and yeah, we're all you know we're all publishers now. We're all editors, and and if you can if you can do it well, and you can really put some thought into what you say, um, it is going to make people stop scrolling, and it, you are going to you are going to really see a change in, um, in you know in how your business kind of moves forward, aren't you? Um, so just if people are listening and they want to do the same, and they're thinking about the kind of headlines and the words that are going to jump out, um, are there any kind of practical things that they can put in place to get started? So for example. Um, like one of the things that people come to me with is, you know, they might want help writing a press release or they might think journalists are scary. So that's one of the things that I would talk about. So is there any kind of way of collating the, the feelings that their potential clients are, are experiencing and then and then using that to turn it into content? Okay, so I, I generally will scroll through Facebook groups and mm-hmm. have a look what owners are saying. Yeah. Um, Sometimes I even say, if there's a really good comment on my social cause post, I say, oh, can I use this comment as a blog title? Mm-hmm. And they're like, yeah, thank you. And then, you know, I give thanks to them at the end of the blog. Yeah. But it's looking for what people are talking about, what's in the news right now. So the whole, you know, my dog is friendly, that is such a big line, but you yeah. can use that in so many different ways. Um, also look at what blogs attract your attention so like you said with the newspaper articles when you're reading a newspaper what what catches your eye what makes you want to read and you, know, you can just go on Amazon and get a list of the books book titles and you'll get some really really good ideas just with the titles like you know don't shoot the dog what a brilliant title for a book because yeah. you're like what shoot a dog don't shoot the dog you know and you're like well what's that all about and it makes you want to pick up that book so um again you know and then research it so 
go into your groups and ask what they want to hear about ask them to share their stories and share share their stories with with their consent as well if, yeah. if you know you really want to get to the bottom of it um so really what what people are talking about right now what what blogs you see which attract attention and you know you're not stealing other people's content but you're just looking for ideas of what's big right now and what people are actually reading definitely and um, being timely as well I think is really important I know from being in your group um, you know if there's been a certain dog program dog training program on the tv um, and that's relevant to you know a particular type of dog trainer or there's been you know let's say if there's been like a a, you know nightmare dogs program and and there's a particular type of dog then the the trainer who deals with that particular dog can use that um, as content you know the following morning and that can do you know those kind of posts can do really well can't they Um, very much so yeah yeah. So yeah, it's all always be looking for angles um, is definitely advice. I think we both we both completely agree with, isn't it? Um, yeah. Okay, and I wanted to ask you as well. Like, you know, you you your content writing is fantastic, um, and you know, you've obviously got a community who come to you um, for expert advice. But I wanted to ask you, if you don't mind me asking, um, if you you know if you have any other support or training, so any programs that you followed or or any kind of coaching yourself to 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 do what you do okay yeah so um my uh, mentor's been at uh, robin Waite. so yeah. he's um fearless business um he has a free facebook group called confidently charge more and um he kind of taught me a lot of my co- content creation skills yeah. and a lot about the different headings as well um so you know he has been my mentor and he's still my business coach I still see him once a month and we still get some great ideas uh regarding more of the content as well I follow a guy called Dan Meredith mm-hmm. um his some of his posts are quite controversial thought provoking but in a very yeah. witty way so he's got a very different style with than than myself but mm-hmm. I like the way he does the whole he he splits the sentences onto different lines so that's kind of what I saw cropping up when he was doing his posts and I was like oh, I enjoy reading these because they're yeah. really easy to read um and he did a course as well in his paid community which I'm part of which is called Express Rudan and I, I need to finish that actually by the way it's um it's, just, it's content writing yeah. and how to get your message across so I'm halfway through that course um a lot of it I already know but they've already given me some new ideas which I'm going to take forward yeah um then i'm part of charm offensive which okay. is um, from john Buchan, and that's how to use wit and humor into your, your marketing message now i find this really works well and i don't know if you've seen some of my posts for when i'm um launching my membership you know uh one one more day to go until we close our group but don't yeah. worry here's a nice picture of a cute puppy um you know just to say sorry for spamming you so yeah. you're kind of like you're you're being spammy but at the same yeah. time you're saying look I've not been spammy because there's a cute picture of a puppy and you will forgive me later you know so um again that that is quite hard it's really yeah. um I do struggle with that and I don't use much of it on social pause because it's not the right audience but definitely for the more b2b stuff people find it funny and I do get a lot of responses with that so Brilliant. Okay, uh, Helen, I think I might have to borrow that because whenever, when I've, I've only like, I've only ever kind of, 
I've just set up my membership. It's really new. But I did think, oh, my God, I feel so bad for going on about this all the time. So I think I might have to pinch your puppy idea um, because, yeah, it's a good one. And also it just kind of acknowledges the fact that you are thinking, oh, my God, please make this stop (laughs) so you can get out of the launch mode and just yeah just oh go. yeah it's brilliant so john does a, a picture of a, a ferret in a big top hat yeah he's so funny and he's like yeah to apologize for all these spammy emails here's a nice uh, nice uh, picture of a ferret in a top hat did you know his name is clive so it's just really really random and it's like oh kind of like okay that's and then he um and then he sent out like um some cold cold um written mail with pictures of Clive the ferret so everyone got a sticker of Clive the ferret and again they were sharing this on social media because they thought it was funny so it's it's really really clever really clever brilliant do you know what you've just made me um I might be going a little bit off topic with this but um another thing that just popped in my head when we were talking was about um so we're talking now we're talking in July 2020 and we've just kind of we're coming out of lockdown and I wanted to ask you um because we've both touched about touched on you know selling on social media Um, and I know during lockdown a lot of people felt uncomfortable about kind of selling on social media Um, and we I know you know we've both just talked about it haven't we we do you do feel uncomfortable selling don't you Um, have you got any kind of advice to get get over that Um, because I think you know we can never hear too much advice on how to get over selling on social media can we so I'd love to hear your take on it I think the timing's crucial because um, obviously it's when COVID hit, like I, I actually launched my um, membership that week again. Yeah. So I do, um, I do membership launches every two months, and I thought pretty crap. So I was like, oh, I can't do this. But then yeah. I got over it because I thought, well, I'm actually helping these people throughout COVID. So, yeah. um, and I actually gave a few more extra value as well. A few, I said, look, if anyone's really worried, I'm happy to give a turbo call away. Mm. So you know, worth double the price really um yeah. no we shouldn't feel bad about selling because we're giving somebody an opportunity it's something they want so if I want more business I'm gonna sign up for a business coach if mm-hmm. I want my you know Russell to be happier in his Avery I'll sign up to you know maybe um a better expert than me who knows more about crows so it's not about selling it's about giving an opportunity yeah. and your posts I mean I don't like the posts where it's just like a generic buy my stuff type post. But instead of doing those, which I find can be a little bit cringy, what about doing a lovely video of your puppy training? And then at the end saying we have four slots available for our next puppy course. That's much better than just a generic advert, you know, buy my puppy course now. So I think that's why people get worried because it's the format they're doing it in. It's not given an opportunity. It is blatant selling which again I think makes people feel a bit icky inside yeah Yeah, so I think nailing that format whether it's posts or or like general posts or sales posts then it's it's the the key isn't it yeah okay so can you tell me about we've talked loads about standing out on social media but can you kind of tell me about how standing out on social media has helped you in your business I mean it it's made made everything for my business um I think nowadays, you know, you have to find other platforms. It's not only about Facebook. So I'm yeah. a big fan of Twitter, but yeah. I find that not many of my clients use it. But Twitter has been amazing for um, media and TV opportunities yeah. because you can get you can get straight to the person and people will respond back. But on Facebook, they don't 
attend to as quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, there's keywords on Twitter. Again, you've got Instagram. You've even got TikTok now, which is becoming very popular. I have given that a bit of a bit of a whiz. But um, I think you've got to look at all the different platforms and where where you're being taken. So if it's just a generic post on Facebook, you've got to think, where is that message then taking someone else? So for me, it'd be like, well, have you know, you can book a discovery call now. So mm-hmm. you're taking the client on the journey rather than just giving them information. You're kind of yeah. saying, well, you can book a discovery call with me or, you know, in the past I've done little mini free events. I've done pub meets with dogs. Um, and then I've done live Q and A's. Mm-hmm. So there's lots of ways you can go about it. Um, but yeah, like, like you say, Facebook, yeah, it was the main thing that helped me take off. And then now, now, now I would say it's probably my business is 90% word of mouth, but that's because mm-hmm. of Facebook. So okay. when people say word of mouth is everything, you've got to think where the word of mouth has come from. You've got to mm-hmm. have to have got clients to get the word of mouth, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, um, so all very well saying word of mouth when you've got no clients. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think that's why, like you say, rather than having all of your um, you know, promotion, promotional eggs in one basket, You've got to, there's got to be lots of different channels where people can find you. So tell me about like how, you know, how, you know, your social media has helped you as in what's it meant for your business? So I'm guessing social pause is full and you've got, you've got um, your husband on the team as well now, haven't you? Yeah. So I've had to go back to my marketing basics, which is yeah. quite frustrating being I'm a business coach because um, you know, the problem is with Tristan, he's not Helen and the audience don't know who Tristan is. Yeah. So as before, it was all posts of me. Now I'm starting to do posts of Tristan. Mm-hmm. Um, Tristan is very similar the way he trains and helps dogs, which is great. But at the moment, you know, Facebook is very important to help helping get Tristan more business. Um, and we could just do one post which talks about Tristan and his work. And then five minutes later, I'll get like three messages in my inbox. So it proves it does work. Yeah. It really does. Um, and also what I'm trying to do now, obviously, is share more stuff about Tristan. But that that is the challenge because it's a very personal business. So if you yeah. have got people working for you, you need to be showing their images and what mm-hmm. they're doing as well as yourself. Okay. Okay. Um, um, so you touched on it before with the Twitter, um, but as the, you know, as my podcast is about publicity and getting publicity for pet businesses, um, and I know it's in lots of different forms now, um, like particularly with social media, because people now see social media as publicity as well as being in, you know, newspapers, magazines, radio, and so on. Um, I wanted to talk to you about some of the opportunities that you've had um, in the mainstream media um, so can you tell me about some of the some of the things that you've had as a result of what you've done on social pause and being discovered there? Um, so how has, how has the content you created led to media opportunities? Okay, so um, the first one really started with Russell. I shared um, a video of me and Russell doing a bit yeah. of training. And um, it was the BBC that picked that up and they shared it on their page, which has got many, many followers. Um, and then they tweeted it, and yeah. then um, this is when this morning picked up on it, and all the other TV channels, and it kind of just went viral from there because Russell Crowe retweeted us. That was all from one, <laughs> one simple, brilliant, yeah, one simple um, video of Russell. Yeah, and then um, 
a lot of the local radio stations got in contact as well. And then they found out that I was also a dog trainer and behaviorist. So there was that crossover. And now when there is an article um, they want to talk about, and this is not just Cheltenham, Gloucestershire, I get a lot of radio stations. They've got me on their books now. Mm-hmm. So they'll often ring me and say, oh, we were talking about fears and phobias today and dogs and cats. And I had a weird one the other week. Um, how do you train my cat to ring a bell? So yeah. um, I did a bit of a, so I'm always on their books now, which is really, really great. Um, and then the other article was the one that you, you helped me publicize, which was amazing. That was through, I think the daily mail that yeah. was um, looking after your dog at Christmas, helping your anxious dog at Christmas. And um was it the BBC ITV ITV I think that one was um, I went to Manchester and I did that on Christmas Eve so that mm-hmm. was amazing opportunity um, and I've had lots of feedback since then of the people contacting me so it's great because now they know who I am and I'm on their books but it's just getting that that push through the door yeah um, getting your face and name known out there so my name is important Helen Mottram if you google it there is mm-hmm. a lot of articles about me which is great but that's only been through the support of you know all my followers and people like you who've given me the push so I'm, I'm very grateful for that um, but yeah it all started via Facebook and then went over to Twitter so they were the best platforms for me for getting on the uh, TV definitely and it's great that you've um, you've kind of you know you've become the go-to person for um, journalists covering anxious pets but also for owners of anxious pets as well and that's kind of what we all what we all want don't we we want to be that go-to person um but i'm also like really want to stress and obviously you've explained this while we've been chatting you you this has not been an overnight thing you've been at this for 10 years haven't you so um it is a long game isn't it um i wanted to ask you a little bit about niching as well um, and how because i know particularly i guess when when people might be kind of fairly early on in the in their business or or like you know right at the beginning um how do because i know i mean i have people say this to me now um and i've been kind of been a journalist for like 20 years and i've started doing the coaching for a couple of it's just coming up to it'll be two years um like next january so it's really new and i have people say quite a lot why are you only doing pet businesses but but that to me feels right, and I'm really passionate about it. Um, so I'm, I'm getting more confident in my niche. But if somebody, if you were talking to somebody and they were thinking of niching um, and they were kind of a little bit unsure, what would your advice be to them? So go for something that you're passionate about and yeah. you enjoy, and go for something that you're already kind of known for, and that will make your life a lot easier. Mm-hmm. So when you look at your best clients or your best case studies, what type of dog? Have you been working with? Yeah. Um, in, fact, in fact, any pets. So, for example, when I work with cats, it's mainly multi-cat household issues. So that's yeah. what people come to me for. Um, the only thing, actually, with cats. Um, and again, it, it's because I've, I really enjoy working with the anxious dogs. And that is where I most of my posts come from. Um, when I started, I did lots of generic training but that never really came to anything because it was just too general but when I started doing the post more about the anxiety it was something that's very popular at the moment you know a lot of people will rehome rescue dogs and they do suffer these issues so I think it's keep your message quite clear 
be specific um and just think about what you really enjoy and what people you know ask your friend what what would you how would you describe me yeah. in five words um mm-hmm. get some feedback from your audience what am I known for you know mm-hmm. and if people I ask that question now people will generally grow oh I know you because you're the crazy crow lady which is <laughs> it's, it's funny it's cool um but at the other end you know people will say oh I know you because you know you've worked with my anxious dog so mm-hmm. um it's, I think it's the feedback's important and you can niche into your niche so what I mean by that is I started by just working with what I would say generic reactive dogs mm-hmm. but now if I get a really excited greeter or a frustrated greeter um I tend to pass that on to Tristan now because it's not something I would particularly say my strengths are my strengths are the shy nervous dogs that don't really want to walk you know mm-hmm. the side the silent ones but yeah. so I've niched into my niche now so rather than saying I specialize with reactive dogs I now say I specialize with shy nervous reactive dogs mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's funny, actually, because like I say, I see a lot of your posts and I don't ever, when I think of reactive dogs, I always think of barking dogs. And I know another trainer who deals with barking dogs. And when I think of you, I always, because you do do the painting pictures really well, um, I do always think of a very shy, quiet dog rather than a barking dog. But actually, yeah, anxious dogs are reactive. Sorry, listeners, but you know, I'm not a pet professional. Um, Yeah, the the reactive, reactive covers um, quiet, shy, and barking, and all kinds of other personalities, and overexcited, doesn't it? So, yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, it's really interesting to think of the niches in the niche. Um, but no, it's been. I'm just looking through. I've got like three pages of notes here, listening to you, Helen. Even though I kind of had all the questions prepped and stuff of takeaways for me to write about when I write, because I write about this as well as podcast out. Um, but yeah, I think the main the main message that I'm that I'm getting from you is, you know, when we first started this talking about doing this podcast about you know how to stand out on social media people want to think about you know people the, the words that spring to mind aren't they are always like you know how do I get more likes how do I get more engagement how to get more followers but actually it's not about it's you know it's not about the likes engagement and followers it's about building that emotional connection and getting in people's shoes and and walking you know walking the the, the path walking the journey that your clients going on isn't it that's the massive takeaway for me yeah don't try and be something that you're not. Don't yeah. try and copy others because if you copy others, it will look blatantly obvious. Um, sit down and think about you and why you're special. And no one can copy you if you use posts of yourself, if that yeah. makes sense. And your story, someone can't copy your story. But, you know, you do get a lot where people do copy. Well, I wouldn't say copy. A lot of us have similar ideas. Mm-hmm. So if you do like a generic, you know, don't worry, my dog's friendly post, it's probably 90% that someone else has already done a post like that. But if then you talk about your journey with your anxious dog or how the other day when you were over the field and a dog came down and up to you, then that is that that story is specific to you and can be copied, so to speak. Yeah. And actually, it's quite it's easy to write your story than it is to write you know just write a generic post isn't it I know from you know whenever I'm doing whenever I'm writing stories it's much easier if I if I kind of have a story idea while I'm out with the dog and then come back and write it quickly that's really easy for me to do whereas if I think I really need to tell a story about this particular topic and I'm you know it's like pulling teeth so actually yeah (laughs) writing your story is is the easy way of doing it as well and will really make you stand out okay so sorry I'll stop talking um so I know we've covered loads in this episode um and we met 
um, after after I stalked you on Facebook from Social Pause, um, you invited me into your membership community, um, Pet Professional Network. So can you tell um, can you tell me a little bit more about what Pet Professional Network is and what you kind of set out to create when you launched it? Okay, so it is um, it is um, primarily a business support group, but we're also an educational platform. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we want to help is pet pros become more confident in their business. Um, to basically push out to the business of their dreams and achieve their goals. So we do this through giving marketing advice, but also with specific subjects like how to build your niche, content marketing, how to um, engage people in your Facebook groups. But it goes a lot more deep than that because we're, we're all about ensuring that pet pros are giving the best support to pet owners. Um, I find, you know, in the past, I found that people were giving great advice to pet owners, but not the long-term support plan. So I'm really keen on teaching people to create their own programs. Now, obviously, this isn't just going to bring more money for you because you've got consistent, ongoing clients. Mm -hmm. But what this is going to do is increase the success of your cases because you're going to be working with these clients long-term. So I'm trying to get people away from giving discounts, packages and getting them onto the mindset that a program a long-term support program for pet owners is the way forward so I do a lot of coaching about productization and getting your services out on the market but being a little bit different to your competition Mm -hmm. okay fantastic so the other thing um the other thing that I wanted to cover as well while while we're chatting is that you've because of um, you did have a event, you had an event planned for September, but because of um, lockdown and COVID, um, it's it's no longer possible for for that to happen. But you've, you're going to be having you're going to be having an online version, aren't you? So if people want to get a flavour of what's inside, they can come along to that, can't they? Yeah. So the um, the offline event is going to happen next year now. So that'll be mm-hmm. September the twenty fourth, two thousand and twenty one. So um, tickets are still available, but I haven't been promoting them as of such yet. Um, But we're looking to host a a mini online conference. I just need to get this sorted in the next few weeks because we've we've just done one of our membership launches. So we've got uh, 36 new members on board. So my priority at the moment is um, helping my members settle in to Mm -hmm. the membership group and then... um, Obviously, like next week, then I'm going to start uh, announcing more about the mini online conference. So um, I'll send you the details for that. Brilliant. Okay. Well, what I'll do is I'll include those in the um, in the notes that go with this episode, and if people want to go and check it out, then they can do. Okay. So Helen, it's been absolutely brilliant chatting to you. Um, I feel like although I've known you for quite a long time now, I've learned loads. I never knew that you. Um, <laughs> I didn't know that you used to teach, and I didn't know that yeah. you worked with cats as well. So that's yeah, been yeah. yeah, it's been a revelation <laughs> for me. So uh, <laughs> where is the best place to find you on social media? So um, the best place to find me is on my personal profile, which mm-hmm. is Helen Mottram. So you can follow me or friend request. Um, I do mini live videos every day. I'm quite raw. I'm quite open, quite honest. So what you see is what you get. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm on my Facebook pages. So I've got social pause is for the pet owners. And then for the pet pros, I've got Pet Professional Network, which is our page. And we have a generic support group, which is called Pet 
professional business support. So that's our free taster group. And you can mm-hmm. find me on Twitter as well as Helen Mottram. So quite a few places, but the best place to find me is just Helen Mottram on Facebook. Brilliant. Okay. Well, I will put all of those, um, I'll put all of those links in the show notes. Sorry, I've just written down social mottram, not social cause. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I'll put all those links to the note, all those links in the notes of this episode, but it's been brilliant talking to you. Thank you so much for coming along. Um, and yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing you at the online event and seeing you in real life again next year when we can all go out again. But thanks so much, Helen. Thanks so much, Rachel. Thank you for listening to the Publicity for Pet Businesses podcast. For more free resources and ways to promote yourself as a pet entrepreneur, visit www.publicityforpetbusinesses.co.uk.